welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your holy written word, that your word is forever settled in heaven, forever unchanging, that you sent your word and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So we receive the word of God with meekness, that we humble ourselves for fresh revelation, fresh application of your word. We receive your word and your word works mightily and effectually in us who believe our spirit, our soul, our mind, our lives are changed, our bodies changed by the word of God. We trust the Holy Spirit to teach us, to give us fresh understanding and revelation of the word of God. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that abides in each one of us. That anointing teaches us. And we thank you, Lord, for the instruction we receive from your word today. So we receive your word not like a man is talking to us, but like it is the very word of God. The word works mightily. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you can sit down if you want to. Praise the Lord. Wow. Praise the Lord. Let's see. We're going to start 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We're going to talk about who you are and what you have in Christ that uh, you just look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we're going to talk about who you are in Christ, talk about your identification with Christ. And um, whoever preaches up here must be smarter than I am because my notes won't fit on this table here so praise the Lord let me see if I can get them straightened out or you have another one of these anywhere uh, anyway praise the Lord that's kind of where um, it's kind of where all the books come from <laughs> 50 years of notes amen so did you find 2 Corinthians five seventeen? alright anybody know what that says no, why don't we try reading out loud together in the King James version if, if you don't have a King James then if you have amplified, then read quieter than everybody else, because you'll still be talking when we're finished. That's why we call it the women's Bible. <laughs> Put this over here. I don't know where the camera is, but I'm right here somewhere. Y'all find me. And Second um, uh, Corinthians five seventeen uh, says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is." She is, they are. If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature that old things are passed away and everything has become new. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, there's 130 in Christ scriptures that describe who you are now, what you have now, what you can do now, not what someday not what you're trying to get, not what you hope to get, but something God has already done for you in Christ. And he has made you that by his grace. And he said, you just start off in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he said, you're a new creature. <laughs> so the word new actually means new in kind or new in quality. It literally means unheard of before. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, actually God sees you in Christ. And he says, you're a new kind of creature. Really, Paul talks about putting on the new man. So he says, you're a new kind of human that never existed before. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus, new in kind, new in quality, unheard of before. So to find out what kind of a creature you are, we have wondered that for years, exactly what kind of a creature you are. 
but you'll have to find out from looking in the in Christ scriptures on who you are and what you have in Christ. Or you could call this identification with Christ. Identification with Christ. In other words, you have a new identity. You're not what your mama made you. You're not what your mistakes made you. You're not what the past made you. You're not what other people say about you. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. Actually, God put into Christ everything he wanted you to have. Or you could say it this way, God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. Everything God did in Christ. So there's 130 of those in Christ scriptures. And uh, when I was a teenager, 17 years old, Dad Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, came to my dad's church. And he said, uh, one of his lessons on faith, learned a lot about faith, but one of his lessons said, there are seven steps to the highest kind of faith. Well, I thought if I was going to study faith, I'd sure like to have the best kind, the highest kind because that could take me places that the other kind couldn't take me. So he said, seven steps to the highest kind of faith. Number one, he said, is to know who you are in Christ, to know your identification with Christ, to see who you are and what you have in Christ. He said, that's the highest kind of faith is to see who you are personally, what you have now because you are now in Christ. Amen. So one writer said, when you got saved, you actually got in Christed. We know the word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. <laughs> so so uh, the moment you confess and acknowledge who Christ is, then he's going to be the one to tell you who you are. Amen. So if you're looking on Ancestry.com, good luck. I don't know what you're going to come up with, but if you'll look in the word of God, that Jesus himself actually found himself in the scriptures. Let's try that one more time. Jesus laid aside his deity powers. So he literally studied, the Bible says, and grew in wisdom and grew in stature. So Jesus actually studied the scriptures and found himself. That's where he got his first sermon. He was reading the book of Isaiah, got to Isaiah 61, and he said, well, that's talking about me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me. And so as you look through the word of God, you can say, well, that's talking about me right there. That's who I am. That's what I have. And so you declare who you are and what you have in Christ. If you'll study the four gospels, Jesus was constantly confessing his identity and his destiny. Jesus was constantly declaring, this is who I am. This is where I came from, and this is where I'm going. And you can't do nothing about it. Uh, when I grew up, you know, and uh, me and my older brother played football, generally he'd bring his bigger friends over, and they'd get on one side of the football team, and then he'd put me and my little friends on the other side, and they'd just kind of beat the dog out of us, you know what I mean? And they would laugh and run over us until we got a little older. But anyway, when we were younger, so they, uh, in football, you know, they have a huddle and they call a play and the huddle is so that you can keep it a secret. But when they, they played with us, they didn't need no huddle. They just come to the line and say out loud, we're fixing to run right over Mark. See if you can stop us. No huddle necessary. So Jesus came in, he said, no huddle necessary. I'm going to tell you all, first of all, exactly what I, who I am and what I'm going to do. And no devil can stop it. Nobody can stop it. So your confession and your declaration of your identification with Christ, which is your identity or identification means to consider and treat as one and the same. So if you're going to the airport, you want to fly somewhere international, they're going to ask you if you have any identification. And if you don't have any identification, you need to plan on staying home because you ain't going far without some official identification. 
And so you can stand there and say, well, this is who I am. My mama always called me this. And you can stand there and say, but unless you can produce a passport, come on, or some driver's license, you're not going anywhere. And so you need to not only have your identification, you need to carry your identification, be conscious of your identification, and don't let the world, the flesh, or the devil talk you out of who you are and what you have in Christ. You have been in Christed. So imagine just two words, one's a preposition and the other one is the name Christ. And those two words, uh, all theologians say, are the secret to the Paul's revelation and the secret to mysteries that have been hidden for ages and for generations. Actually, the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, called himself a man in Christ. <laughs> All right, let's just try this out over here. In other words, you may not look like a lot to other people, but once you know who you are in Christ, you now have become a new kind of human in Christ. Amen. So 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. That's really a good scripture because that tells you exactly what happened when you made Jesus your Lord. He says literally what happened is you were engrafted into Christ or you are joined to Christ and you are joined at the spirit. Your spirit is joined to Christ and one translation says your spirit is in union with Christ or your spirit joined to the master and you and Christ have come together to form a single spirit. So whatever's in him now flows in you. The same life, same righteousness, same authority, same blessing, same victory, and all comes out of him and goes right into you. He's the vine, you're a branch, he's the head, and you're the body. Whatever's in the head's account's in the body's account, and you are joined to Christ. That's where you get your identity from. Amen. And so the Lord said this to me one time because I was talking to a guy and all he kept saying was, I, 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 I. And he's talking about his problem and the way he is and I, I, I. And the Lord said this to me, he said, never allow your struggle to become your identity. In other words, as a Christian, all of us have struggles in life. You just don't allow that to become your identity. Come on, you may have had that or you may have done that, but that's not who you are. So your spirit joined to Christ is what makes you a new creature and that all happens in your spirit man, in the spirit. So Paul uses that word pneuma or spirit many, many times talking about, Paul said, even when I pray in the Holy Spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind don't even know what I'm saying. So I call that God's head bypass operation. Why would God want to bypass your head? Well, you know the reason and you know why. And so what happens when you're born again, your spirit is the part of you that's joined to Christ. When you pray in the spirit, your spirit's praying, your mind's like what's happening. Your spirit is connected to a spiritual kingdom, which is God is a spirit and Jesus is the spirit, amen. And your spirit joined to a, a whole new dimension. So you look like a regular person on the earth, but your spirit is tuned in to another reality, another realm. Amen. I go to Galatians 2.20. We'll look at a couple of these identification of Christ scriptures until you settle that the word of God is kind of like your final authority on your identification and who you are in Christ. The same thing that's in Christ is on the inside of you. But where is it? It's actually in your spirit. So if the devil can keep you ruled by your flesh, by the world, or by your peanut brain, he can keep you out of who you are in Christ. Amen. I'm going to show you how. Amen. Look at Galatians 2.20 because this is another identification scripture. Identification with Christ. All right. Galatians 2.20 says what? Ah. Ah. Am. I am. I am. I'm not trying to be, not someday going to be. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you what has determined who I am. I am 
crucified with Christ. Huh. I am crucified with Christ. Other translators say Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. So if you were to ask Paul, what is, what is your confession of faith? He would say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Y'all still with me? So you've got two things here in this verse. One is substitution. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. Set to the credit of our account just like we did it. That's called identification with Christ. Substitution, identification means now what happened there in Christ has now determined my identity. I was crucified with Christ. And you know, crucified people uh, come out different. Y'all still with me here? I am crucified with Christ. You say, well, what all does that mean? Well, turn over to Romans chapter six, verse six, because something's gonna happen to who you used to be. I said, something's gonna happen to who you used to be. Well, I said, what's gonna happen there? Well, we're gonna have to do something about it. What happened in Romans 6, 6? Y'all got that one? King James says, knowing this, my old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth I should not serve sin. So what Paul says, what happened on the cross, Paul said, I was there. He said, I was there. I mean, I grew up in church and on Easter we'd always sing, were you there when they crucified my Lord? We were like, I was a kid. I'm like, I don't think I was there. I mean, uh, long way from here, long time ago. Uh, and then they'd say, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when he is raised up from the grave? In other words, there's two ordinances in the church. One is water baptism. And when you're baptized in water, you know, you don't just get wet, you know, and have to get a towel afterwards. When you're baptized in water, that shows you what? Your identification with Christ in his death and in his burial. And when you come up, it says now you walk in newness of life. Only two ordinances in the church that you and I practice, which are physical demonstrations of a spiritual reality. What's the other ordinance? What we call ordinance in the church. Well, the other one is uh, communion, where you take the cracker. Come on, you take the cup. And now you take his body, his blood, and now he and you are one. Come on, it's, I mean, we had extra crackers when I was growing up and I ate as many as possible. But, but you want to go beyond the crackers, right? You want to go beyond the grape juice or whatever y'all take and say, now I'm in union with Christ, his blood, his body, and now he's in me and I'm in him. All right, let's go to uh, Romans 6, 6. I got to read this in here. And so we're talking about what happened from the cross to the throne and how it changes you. And so he says here, knowing this, everybody say, I know this. I know this. Right. How did Paul know this? Well, he really knew it by revelation because the Lord showed him what happened on the cross. When Jesus became sin, when he died his death, when he took his curse, he said, I took you to the cross. You were there. And there's something about that, even though there's a mystery involved, that when you see what happened on the cross, something in your spirit goes, there's something happening there more than just Jesus dying on the cross. He was my substitute. He took me to the cross. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took my curse. He took me to the cross with him. So listen to some other translations. He says, knowing this, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. In other words, the revelation of what happened on the cross, he said, was to destroy something. Now, when our, when our grandson Dylan, when he um, got the bone marrow transplant, we've talked about this before, when he got the bone marrow transplant, before he got the bone marrow transplant from his older brother, before that, I don't know how long, it was three or four days before that, he took the worst, hardest, strongest chemo 
that he had ever had in the whole process for three years. They said, the reason we're doing this is we must destroy his bone marrow because his bone marrow was diseased. So we, mu we must, what, with radiation, they burned out his, his bone marrow, his stem cells, burned it out because he's fixing to receive what? New bone marrow, come on, new blood, new stem cells, so there'll be no evidence of what he used to have. His bone marrow was diseased. They said, we have to kill that. So what happened on the cross? Well, the significance of the resurrection is determined by what was the nature of his death. In other words, the significance of the resurrection has no, no impact upon me unless I know what happened on the cross. He was raised from the dead from the cross. So what happened there is he took my condition to burn out my old identity. All right, let's say it this way. God kind of looked at man's condition and said, I just don't think I can fix you. But we are going to kill you. And we're going to make a brand new one. Now, we've had people take their identification with Christ and receive healing. Because they're like, whatever disease I had, he burned it out on the cross. Amen. We've had other people come and say they were like 100 pounds overweight. And they said, we took your identification with Christ and we decided we were identified with him. And so we lost 100 pounds. In other words, you don't just think that's just the way I am. Now, some pastor told me he's kind of a little heavy. He said that he's now translender. I thought, <laughs> identify as a skinny man. But um, I mean, no, your identification, who you are, right? And people in this world are trying to be everything. But all you got to do is go to Jesus and find out who you are and go to the cross. And you'll never be happy no other way, right? So he says, what happened? My old man, my old sinful self. Other translations say it this way. An executed criminal can perform no further crimes. So Paul said, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. And he said, and sin shall not have dominion over you. Come on, whatever old addiction that you had, come on to sin and old habits you had, that was crucified with Christ. And Paul said, and I know I was there. Are y'all still here? All right, let's finish these up. Uh, my, I'm an executed criminal. So listen to this. He said, uh, an executed criminal can perform no further crimes. Therefore, by analogy, my former evil identity has been executed and my old rebel self was exterminated. Uh, this is Paul's talking about he got saved. All right, let's try it again. People, people try to get saved without changing their identity. Now, I'm saved, I'm gonna go to heaven. Well, look here, Paul said more than just getting saved, I'm a whole new creature in Christ and the old person I used to be was executed, dead and gone. Come on, no matter what temptation the devil brings to you, if you just say, well, I'm dead. <laughs> Come on, you could have somebody, you know, girl walk by in a short skirt. Guy in the, guy in the casket don't move. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Jesse Duplantis because he said he was preaching in a hotel one time and got on the elevator and there's a couple of women on there, you know, kind of. He said they're kind of, kind of flirting with him a little bit. And, and, and they said, how about you, man? And he said, oh, sorry. He said, I'm a dead man. And they went, oh, we're sorry. He said, yeah, I couldn't help it. I died. So I'm a dead man, which means I ain't going to fit into whatever you got planned because I'm a dead man. 
All right, let's try this again. Your identification with Christ, and here it says, my old rebel self was exterminated. I know, I know some people got saved, but they still consider they're very rebellious. But if when you find out who you are in Christ, you say, the old re rebel I used to be. Let's try this again. Come on, the rebel I used to be. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm do what I want to do. None of y'all still had any of that after you got to church? Yeah, I got a couple of people here. But he said, and the rest of y'all lying. But your old rebel self was crucified. And now you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. Praise the Lord. All right, let's read some more here. I'm taking a little bit longer here, but y'all listen kind of slow this morning. So uh, another translation says, understand this, my old inherited self was crucified with him, that the material with which sin had to operate might be put out of action. My old inherited self. He said, well, that runs in my family. Not if you've been born again, that don't run in your family. Praise the Lord. Woo. That's some really good ones. Um, my old sinful nature was wiped out and I'm no longer addicted to sin. Yes. All right, let's try that one more time. My old, my old sinful nature was wiped out. I'm a new creature now in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. I have a new spirit, a new heart, a new nature. I've got the life of God on the inside of me and the life of Christ is on the inside of me. So your confession now brings you into the reality of your identification with Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, go to Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Fourth five, six, because these are kind of fundamental identification with Christ. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right, here's what he says in Ephesians chapter two, verse four. We're talking about your identification with Christ. Because I was 17 years old, I'm writing down 135 in Christ scriptures at 17. I wrote them down. I found out there's really only 35 that are very, very significant. Some of the other ones are kind of greetings and stuff. So you really only have to write down 35. Then I studied in different translations. Then I got up every morning, 17 years old, and I said, I am now a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. There is nothing left of what I used to be. My whole identity has been changed. All right, go to 1 John 5, 4, then we'll jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. All right, uh, this is kind of the introduction here, so I hope I don't lose you on the first part, but uh, amen. All right, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says what? Whatever, whosoever, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. All right, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. Whatever's born of God. Now listen, other translations say, whatever has been refathered by God. So it says instead of just being born of God, it says you've been refathered by God. Hmm. Jesus really knew who his father was, didn't he? He said, now let me tell you, who I am. Let me tell you who my father is. My father greater than all. <laughs> Imagine if you knew that you had been refathered by God. I said refathered by God. Wonder what runs in your family when you've been refathered by God. You've been born of God and other translations, all who have received the new life from God overcome the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world even my faith in other words my faith must have this ingredient in that victory is mine from the time I'm born again not three months later, not six months later. The time I got born again, I got refathered by God. I received new life, which is the God kind of life from God. That life is in my spirit and there's victory on the inside of me. Amen. It just runs in my family. Victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. That's on the inside of me. That's in my spirit. 
Praise the Lord. Now, uh, go to Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. And this is another good one here. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God who is rich in mercy. How many glad God's rich in mercy? Well, everybody in this room ought to be happy about that. God who is rich in mercy. Ready? For his great love wherewith he loved us. Woo! Let's try that again. God is rich in mercy. His great love. My 17, man, I started studying who you are in Christ, and I got a revelation of the love of Christ, the love of God for me. Changed my whole life. The God kind of love. Great love wherewith he loved us. What did he do? Go to the next verse. When we were dead in sins, he quickened. The word quickened means made alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And this verse says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, so I was 17. And so we were studying that scripture. I mean, you know the word of God's alive? Yes, we were studying that scripture, I'm 17, and I saw my identification with Christ and that I was made alive together with him with the same identical life, same identical victory, same identical blessing, same identical access, same identical authority, same identical righteousness that's in Christ is now on the inside of me. Not when I go to heaven, Amen. right now. And I was made alive together with him and seated together with him. And the Holy Spirit showed me a picture that I was made alive, raised up, seated together with Christ, a place of authority, a place of blessing. And the first thing I did, I started laughing. It's good to laugh anytime it'll help you. But when you laugh out of revelation knowledge, I just 17, I just went, ha ha, look at that, ha ha. What does that mean? I'm already raised up, seated together with Christ. That means I'm not trying to get victory. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm seated together with him in heavenly places. Right now, my spirit is joined to Christ and whatever's broadcasting from there is broadcasting right here. I receive the same vision, same revelation, same authority. That's who I am. That's what I have. I'm a new kind of creature that never existed before and I was produced from the cross to the throne. That's my identification. With Christ. Amen. Some people say, well, who do you think you are? You go like, well, I, if you got a couple of hours, I mean, I, can, I got some scriptures I can give you. In Christ. You got in Christ. Same life. That's a spiritual reality. It is your confession of it that brings you into the consciousness of it. So if you're silent about that, don't be surprised that it don't affect you much. Let's try this out over here. I said, if you're silent about that, you're like, huh. In other words, your confession actually is what affects your identification. So I just started meditating on that, get some different translations, and I was made alive, raised up, boom. And the spirit dimension opened up, and I saw myself seated with Christ. And I went, ha, ha, ha. Why I'm seated here and the devil is way down there. Whatever problem you got is way down there. Come on, you're going to need binoculars from up here to see what your problem used to be. In other words, you cannot be dominated by the devil. Sin cannot dominate any man with the life of God in him. The moment you receive the life of God, that makes you a new creature, and the devil cannot dominate any human being with eternal life. Now, you say, I got the life of God in me. I got the God kind of life. Eternal life. Same life that raised Christ is on the inside of me. Sin cannot dominate you. Satan cannot dominate you. Sickness cannot dominate. Matter of fact, the crowning achievement of the plan of redemption is for God to take his life and put it in a man. 
moment that life comes on the inside of you, your spirit, which is the real you, your spirit goes, Come on, you're still doing the best you can with your body. We appreciate that. And you're still doing the best you can with your brain. But your spirit is joined to Christ. <laughs> so that's why Paul said, sometimes he said, um, some, Paul said, you know, 1 Corinthians 2, Romans chapter 8, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. So he uses the word spirit 20 times in one chapter. If you ever get on that channel, Amen. So sometimes you almost want to tell some people, you want to say, I would like to talk to your spirit. That's what Jesus does. That's what the word of God does. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So Jesus said, I'm going to talk to you on another level of who you are. Come on, I'm tired of talking to your body. Come on now. You got all kinds of feelings going through your body and who knows what else going through your body. I'm tired of talking to your brain. We know that's pretty limited. I'm tired of talking to your emotions. I would like to talk to your spirit. Come on, when God talks to your spirit, your inner man rises up, which is not only the eternal part of you, it's the part of you that is most like God. My spirit. Praise the Lord. All right, so now, when I, when I was in uh, uh, high school, my, I think it was my senior year, and I was following the Lord, you know, and, and really was witnessing to a lot of people and decided, you know, I knew the call of God, so I'm seriously following Jesus. Well, I, I went to the biology class when I was in high school. So I go into biology class, and uh, the, my biology teacher's name Mr. Cates, and he smoked a lot, so he coughed a lot, and, and uh, you know, cleared his throat a lot, and he's an older guy, and so, so when he comes to class, he's like coughing all the time, you know, hacking. And so he starts off, biology, he said, biology is the study of living things. All right, biology is the study of living things. There are two kinds of living things. He said, there's plants and there's animals. Two kinds of living things, plants and animals. Write it down, two kinds of living things, plants and animals, a little X by it. <laughs> then he says, plants have plant life. Animals have animal life. And the plants you have the plant kingdom and in the animals you have animal life and the animal kingdom. All living things are in these two major categories. Either you're a plant or you're an animal. So he says, how many of y'all in here are plants? No one raised their hand. How many of y'all in here are animals? Well, a few people raised their hand. <laughs> he goes back again. He goes, all living things. Two categories only. You're a plant or you're an animal. So he kept working that until he got everyone in the class to raise their hand that they were an animal. But me, I wouldn't raise my hand. I'm just sitting back there. And he saw, and he said, Mr. Hankins, what are you? He said, are you a plant? I said, no, sir. Then you have to be an animal. I said, no, sir. What are you, Mr. Hankins? <laughs> I'm starting to get on his nerves about right now. <laughs> what are you, Mr. Hankins? I said, well, I'm not a plant. I said, and I'm not an animal. I said, I am a spirit being made in the image of God, made a shade lower than God himself with the God kind of life and a new kind of kingdom. <laughs> Mr. Hankins, we are not talking about religion. I said, me neither. Are y'all still here? Come on, you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, but the real you is your spirit man. Come on now. And when you make Jesus your Lord, you ain't no plant. You ain't no animal. You don't belong to this world. When you receive eternal life, you got the God kind of life. And you belong to a new kingdom. 
Actually, one translation says you belong to the spirit dimension. Well, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, but you get up in the morning, your body's talking to you. Uh, your breath's talking to other people, but your body's talking to you. Come on, your feelings, your flesh, your senses, come on, talking to you. But your spirit on the inside of you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living on the inside of you. And your spirit is joined to the master, joined to Christ. And Jesus is your Lord. And you have been delivered from the power of darkness. And and you've been translated into the kingdom of the son of God and in him you have redemption through his blood even the remission of sin because you're a new creature in Christ old things have passed away everything has become new so when Jesus said I have come that you might have life what's he talking about the God kind of life eternal life and it is that life that makes you a new kind of creature all right let's try this again i said it is that life on the inside of you that makes you a different kind of creature you're a new kind of human you know you you can never again say that i'm only human You can say, I'm also human, but I am not only human. I've got the life of God on the inside of me. <laughs> Come on, and I've got that life on the end. And Jesus said you can actually have it overflowing in you, and that every time you study the word, that life begins to flow on the inside of your spirit. His words are full of life. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right, now. Uh, I, I took psychology class in uh, college, and I passed because they had multiple choice tests, and I am extremely lucky, I can tell you that. So, A, B, C, or D, you know, what's it going to be? So, hit one. So, I passed really well. I mean, if I wasn't saved, I would enjoy gambling. Excuse me, but I'm saved, so I don't enjoy gambling. I must confess that I did one time, and the pastor there got mad at me. But anyway, so I only lost a few quarters and actually made $75, put it in the offering at church. But I don't do that regularly. But if I was not saved, I would have that, you know. <laughs> but I have a new nature. Amen. It would be a disaster if I was a gambler. It is for every gambler. I mean, they didn't build a casino off of winners, you know. Right. <laughs> you said, but I won. Yeah, but you went back till you lost. So, um, psychology class. So they said there's three kinds of determinisms. In other words, this is what makes you who you are. So I enjoyed psychology, studying that, you know, and very interesting, Pavlov's dog salivating, a few things like that. So, three things, they call it three determinisms that determine who you are, your potential in life, what happens to you, where you go. Three things. Number one, they call it genetic determinism. G genetic determinism simply means I was born this way. Used to be a song like that, right? Yeah. I was born this way. <laughs> well, that's why Jesus said you have to be born again. So, psychology, they're not acknowledging new birth, so they just say genetic determinism has tremendous influence. If you don't believe it, wait till you get a little bit older and walk by a mirror. And you say, well, it looks like my family. So, <laughs> it, sound like it's, it does. Genetic determinism is very powerful. But that's why you must be what? Refathered. Come on, that means that disease don't run in your family. Come on, <laughs> welfare don't run in your family. Come on, poverty don't run in your family. Come on, bad temper don't run in your family. Come on, you've been refathered. But they'll say genetic determinism, you are what you are because of what your mama made you, your daddy made you. And some people, you know, stick with that. That's their reason for the way they are. Genetic determinism. Second kind they call it is psychological determinism. Simply means I'm the way I am 
because of the way that I think, right? Or they'll say genetic determinism is you are the way you are because of your experiences. Or you are the way you are because of what happened to you. So a lot of times people say, well, if you knew why, what, you'd know why I'm the way I am if you knew what happened to me. Well, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because sometimes people have things happen to them that they cannot escape for their whole life. So if you go to Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, where sin abound, grace did much more abound. Laubach translation says, God's work in Christ far exceeds any damage done to us by Adam's fall. All right, let's say it this way. Whatever happened to Jesus is greater than anything that ever happened to you. So when you look to the cross and see your identity changed because of what happened to Jesus. In other words, he swallowed up everything that ever happened to you. And now you're a crucified, dead, buried, made alive, raised, and seated new kind of creature. That's now who you are. Because as you allow the devil to put that on you, and say that's the reason you're the way you are because of what happened, your experiences, and that's going to affect you the rest of your life. But if you say, but the power of the blood of Jesus and the death of Christ is my old sinful self, my old rebel self, my former evil identity was executed and is dead and gone. And I am a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away and everything has become new. My identification comes from the cross. But, come on, you can, go, you can go genetic and you can blame your parents. Come on, or you can go whatever happened to you and you can blame somebody else. Uh, they go call that psychic determinism. The third one they call environmental determinism simply means I am what I am and the way I think and limited because of environmental determinism. That means if you knew where I was raised and the environment and the people I was raised around, you'd know why I am the way I am. But I'm going to give you another I am. All right, let's just try this out over here. I said, I'm fixing to give you another I am. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, don't settle with what psychology would tell you is made you what you are and you're stuck there and you're limited by that. The moment you have faith in the Son of God and you see your identity, Identification with Christ, then you say, Now that's who I am. Amen. You find yourself. All right, here's what the Lord said to me years ago. He said, uh, He said, The cross, the death and resurrection of Christ, is a group picture. I said, What do you mean by group picture? Well, Jesus was our substitute, and He took us all to the cross with Him. So he said, what's the first thing you look for in a group picture? He said, yourself. The cross made alive together with Christ, group picture. You've ever been in a group picture? You know, third grade, fifth grade, 10th grade, whatever. Baseball team, football team. When they show you the group picture, what's the first thing you look for? Some people say, well, look at me, look at me. I say, excuse me. I'm looking for myself right now. Y'all yeah. <laughs> still here? Every time you open your Bible, you say, excuse me, I'm looking for myself right now. I just found me right here. Are y'all still here? So here comes Stewardess back to the exit row. So she says, will you be willing to help me in the event of an emergency? Well, you know, you're reading or something, you know, you know. You know. She says, sir, will you help me in the event of an emergency? She said, I must have a verbal response. That's right. That's right. Must have. I must have a verbal response. I'm like, yes, ma'am, I'll be glad to help you. I'll be glad to help you. So I thought, you know, a lot of times people come to church and they nod all the time. they like, 
let me tell you how faith works. God said, I must have a verbal response. If Jesus is willing to go through the cross, come on, die, and be raised from the dead, you can't just nod your head at all the promises of God. The promises of God and who you are in Christ, there must be a verbal response. In other words, your confession, when you take that word and put it in your mouth, I believe and I speak. The word of God is a living thing, and that identifies you now with that word. I need a verbal response. So God said, what you going to say about that? I said, uh, all right, let's see. What am I going to say? We got 35 of them. I said, we got 35 in Christ scriptures. Uh, we got 35. 35 in Christ, in him, in whom. This is who I am. I found myself there. This is what I have. What do you need? I need a, a verbal response. Whoa, man, I started finding those scriptures on who you are in Christ and I started saying, then I recorded my own voice on a cassette player and hit the play button every morning when I was a senior in high school. And I heard myself saying, I'm a new creature in Christ. Oh, things have passed away. Everything has become new. Come on. Jesus didn't go through the suffering of the cross to be raised from the dead to help you on Sunday. Jesus didn't go through the cross, be raised from the dead to say, I sure hope that helped you a little bit. And I maybe on a blue Monday. No, Jesus didn't go through the cross and be raised from the dead just to make some little difference in your life. Jesus went to the cross to be raised from the dead and he said, this literally changes everything in your life. There's nothing in your life that will not be changed by the power that raised Christ from the dead. Your confession of faith and your identification with Christ, you cannot be silent. You cannot nod at that. You're going to have to say something about it in your house, in your car, in your truck, at church. What is your confession of your identification with Christ? You are not what your mama made you. You're not what sin did in your past. You know, that made you what you are. You are identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Nothing left what you used to be. You say, well, I got the feelings. You know, you can still have feelings. Nothing more than feelings. You can have feelings about a lot of stuff. That don't make it a reality in your life. In other words, you're going to live by faith, not by sight, not by your feelings. What you're going to live by? He said, you're going to have to live by your confession. Your confession of faith. What do you have to say about it? All right, let's go through the other ones. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. What's Colossians 2, 9 and 10? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And I'm in him. You just look a lot better in him. Amen. Amen. This ain't no sermon. This is something you got to live on every day. Your identification with Christ. One of my favorites for years was 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I like that one because that means I'm always winning. <laughs> I just like winning better than losing. Now, thanks be unto God in Christ, he always causes me to triumph. Uh, I think y'all probably know uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, don't you? Yeah, but nodding at it won't work for you. All right, let's try this out over here. I said, nodding at it, come on, you, it ain't going to work for you. You're going to have to put that word in your mouth. Yes. Come on and say, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus redeemed me from sin and Satan. He is my Lord. That's my confession. And I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. That means I'm free from a sense of sin or guilt or inferiority. I'm no longer struggling to try to be approved by God. I am now in Christ and I am the righteousness of God in him. Don't tolerate any sin consciousness or guilt or shame. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, let's see if we got another one for you. Y'all need another one? Yes. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 2. 
All right, now listen close because we talked about your spirit, right? Romans 8, 2 says what? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let's, let's all say that out loud together. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You talking about freedom. Come on, this is the weekend, right? You talking about freedom. The freedom that comes to us, free from bondage and the law of sin and death. But he said there's another law and it's a spiritual law and it comes from spiritual life. So he told me in Romans chapter 8, whatever challenge you're facing, your answer is in the spirit. Amen. <laughs> Answers in the spirit. Whatever you're dealing with, your flesh, habits, challenges, difficulties, read Romans 8, read it to the end. Where are you going to end up? Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing seen or unseen. And because he loved me, I'm more than a conqueror through him. Come on, think about the love of Christ and the love of God. And think about the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ. So, so John G. Lake, come on, he'd tell him, put that bubonic plague, you know, and it'd be teeming. Come on, germ, put it on his hand and all die. And they said, what die? He said, Romans 8 to the law. Come on, that's a contagious disease, killing thousands of people. And he was praying for the people with the contagious disease. It's amazing. Come on, the government can bring out a pandemic or whoever brought it on from wherever. People wear their mask in the car by themselves. He said, there's, there's disease germs everywhere. Well, they believe in the germ. What would happen if you believed in the law of the spirit of life? When you talk to somebody, say, well, every time I lay hands on people, you know, that, that germ dies, man. It can't live on my body. You say, what? I'm a carrier of the life of God. I'm a new creature. I'm a new kind of creature in Christ that never existed before. Go ahead and laugh about that for a minute. Say, oh, no. What's that mean? My spirit's alive. Yes, my spirit's alive. With the life of God. With the life of God. Praise the Lord. Now, I was preaching in California years ago, and a guy came to the meeting, and, and I was preaching on some of this, on who you are in Christ. And he said, um, what did he say? Something like this. He said, uh, he said, I was into drugs and, you know, everything back in those days. You know, you take LSD. He said, I took 100 hits of LSD. Well, I had a friend that just took a half a hit and went crazy for three days. He said, I took 100 hits at a time because I wanted to lose my mind. Well, he did. He said, I totally lost my mind, blew my mind out. So he said, I went to Teen Challenge because people addicted, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't function. So he said, I was in Teen Challenge. So they're, you know, they're helping us, you know. He said, but I went to chapel every day. And one day I was in chapel and some preacher came in and read 2 Corinthians 5.17. He said, that's the first scripture I ever heard. He said, I listened to all the sermons, but that's the first scripture I ever heard. Let's try it one more time. I heard a lot of sermons, but the first scripture I ever heard was therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. He said, when I heard that, he said, I started saying, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. He said, then I would say, ha, ha, ha on the devil. All right, let's try this side over here. I'm a new creature in Christ. Come on up. In other words, that's the only thing he can say. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. Everything's new. Ha, ha, ha on the devil. So he said, I kept saying that until I got my mind back. And he came to our meeting in San Diego there and he said, now I travel around, I'm a preacher of the gospel. The Lord totally changed me. Come on, from the inside out, from the spirit. In other words, God's not working on you from the outside in. He's working on you from the inside out. All right, let's try it again. I said, any change you need, you're gonna have to get it from the spirit out to your brain, out to your emotions, out to your body. 
What's your confession? I am a spirit made in the image of God with the God kind of life, belonging to a whole new kingdom. I'm a new creature in Christ. You can't nod at that. I said you can't nod at that. Ha, ha, ha on the devil. Hallelujah. I said ha, ha, ha on the devil. So I went to Canada deer hunting a few years ago and and uh, um, the guy, you know, and, and um, trying to get into the country, you know, you call him at customs or something. So this young guy, he's kind of a smart aleck kind of a guy, which I am similar, so <laughs> we're probably not going to get along that great. So he's glad to be an American. So anyway, so he's trying to run me through this stuff and going through Canada. So. Uh, he's mad because I'm coming up there to kill their, their big bucks, you know. So uh, he's got to put me through everything, go through my suitcase and everything. And then he said, uh, have you ever been arrested? I said, uh, no, sir. No, you know. So he's pulling me up on a computer. So while he's pulling me up, I thought, uh, excuse me, I have been arrested. When I was 17 years old, I got arrested. And, uh, you know, the charges were dropped. But I was arrested. He said, I'm glad you said that. It's right here on your record. I said, well, he said, charge, I said, charges were dropped. And he said, well, it's still on your record. I said, well, how, well, you know, that's like 50 years ago. I mean, like, how do I get that off my record? He said, well, you're, you, you have to get your record expunged. So I said, well, how, how do you spell that? Is that an EX sponge, ES sponge? What kind of sponge is this? So I've got to get it expunged. I said, well, how am I going to get expunged? He said, well, uh, you're going to have to go to Texas, get you a lawyer, and he'll have to get your record expunged. So as soon as I got home, I'm calling a lawyer. I said, man, this happened like 50 years ago. Can you get that off my record, man? That's embarrassing. If I go just to carry a gun or something, they're asking me, you know, you have been arrested. Well, it's just me and some other teenagers. We did a few things we shouldn't have done. But uh, charges were dropped. He said, but if you get your record expunged, there's no evidence you ever did that. Uh, uh-huh. All right, so it cost me about $2,500. Got me a lawyer. Got my record expunged. Look it up. Anyway, so I, there's no record I was ever arrested. So a lot of people come to church and they say, well, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Drop the charges. But sometimes the devil will say, remember. So God said, I'm going to take it further than just dropping the charges. I'm going to get your record expunged through the blood of Jesus, that old things have lost their influence. They don't even exist anymore legally because of the blood of Jesus. And that blood has totally cleared your record and you're the righteousness of God in Christ, a new creature in Christ. Praise the Lord. So some of you say, well, I know know church been dropped. Praise the Lord. How many of you believe that what Jesus did on the cross did more than just drop the charges? Old things passed away. Everything has become new. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I am a new creature, a new kind of creature with a new kind of life. I got the life of God, spiritual life, the God kind of life. My spirit is joined to Christ. The same life that's in Christ is in my spirit right now. The very life of God. I have been refathered. Come on, get a little wild look on your eyes. I've been born again. I've been born of God. I have the God kind of life. My identification, my identity is totally changed by the cross of Christ, his death, and his resurrection. I am 
crucified with Christ. My old man, the old person I used to be, my old sin-dominated personality, my former evil identity, my old rebel self was executed, is dead and gone. I am a new creature. I've got the life of God. I'm a new kind of human that never existed before. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed. I am righteous. I am blessed. This is who I am. This is what I have. This is what I can do. I know who I am in Christ Jesus, in him and through him and by him. My identity is in Christ. If you want to find me, that's where I live. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Now go ahead and go ha ha ha. Ha 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 on the devil. Come on my old sick self. Come on my old sin dominated self was crucified. No longer I that lives. It is Christ that lives in me. Come on look in the group picture and you say there I am right there. Didn't look so great on the cross. But in the resurrection, I am looking good, man. I'm made alive together with Christ. Every time you open your Bible, you find your identity. Don't let nobody else tell you who you are. I like what I heard T.D. Jake say years ago. He said, you may have done what they said you did, but you are not what they say you are. All right, let's try this one more. I said, you are not who they say you are. Your identity now is in Christ. Y'all learn anything today? Well, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. I know some of y'all think you're real happy with who you are right now. You're like, I don't need all that. He says, I'm real happy with who I am. Well, let me give you a few years and you better be digging this up, praise the Lord. Anyway, because it's going to take more than a nod, amen. It's going to take a confession of faith. Come on, Pastor. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 